Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy. It is good to be back with you. You know, so much, so much of my joy and fulfillment and encouragement in recovery is the relationship that you and I have. And I could never express to you what it means to sit in front of this microphone. You know, years ago, as I would listen to tapes and back in cassette tapes when I was first getting clean and sober, we used to do a lot of speaker tapes, and this was back in the day where, where I was just afraid. Do you remember coming to terms, and this was after my relapse, and I really fully understood step one on how powerless I was and how unmanageable my life had become, and it scared me. It scared me so much that I was so afraid if I was not in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or Overeaters Anonymous. Those were the three main groups I went to. Went to a little Gamblers Anonymous, but primarily it was AA and then NA and then OA. And I remember if I wasn't in one of those meetings or or with a group of people that I had known from those meetings, I was afraid. To be left to my own devices meant that there was a chance that I would go back out. And um, I, I didn't think I had another uh, recovery in me. And so staying was my best. And it, in my mind, it was my only option uh, the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous were literally the last house on the block for me. Uh, again, if it wasn't for slow will, I would have been homeless. And so I stayed. There were so many dynamics. And, and then even when a couple months down the road, I was able to uh, get a job at, the, uh, uh, at, a, at a downtown uh, a casino, and I was a graveyard coffee shop waiter serving frozen margaritas along with dollar breakfast at three o'clock in the morning. It was an interesting life for an alcoholic in recovery. And I remember going to work there at Fitzgerald's and I was so grateful for the job. And And nine months into my sobriety, the Golden Nugget Spa Tower was uh, redoing and getting ready to reopen uh, with this new portion of their property. They needed more room service waiters. So my friend Buddy, who I also knew from AA, he, uh, to this day, 44 years later or thereabouts, but he is still secretary of the same late lunch bunch meeting doing what he does. Anyway, Buddy worked at the Golden Nugget and he was able to introduce me to Fernando, who was the room service manager and Fernando hired me. And that was uh, quite a wonderful opportunity. There's great stories along with that, but that was my rising back to... Uh, becoming employable again and becoming a, a good application. Anyway, I would listen to speaker tapes all the time. And 
because all I could really do, I'd go to meetings, I'd go to my apartment after getting my own place right downstairs from Will, and I would hide, I would literally hide under my covers because I was afraid to go out to go anywhere. And just like I would hold on to the chairs and the rooms of AA, I would literally be holding on to my blankets because I could not leave. But what I could do was come out from underneath my, my blankets to turn my tape over. Anyway, I heard this guy sharing, and, and he said he had found, and it helped shape his character, he found that the podium of Alcoholics Anonymous was a very sacred place to be. And so sometimes some people ask me, Robert, why do you take this so serious? Why, you know, you you have a certain ten towards you. And I know I love to laugh. If you know me personally, I love laughter, right? We are sure that God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. So we insist on enjoying life. And I have a great deal of fun. But when I sit back behind this microphone, I know what my sense of responsibility is. And as this wonderful speaker said, he said, the podium of Alcoholics Anonymous is a very sacred place to be. And so even though this isn't the podium of Alcoholics Anonymous, this is the podium. This is the microphone for Recovery Guy. And I represent recovery, right? This is a very sacred place to be. And today is no different. And so if you're wondering why I learned how to separate from taking myself too seriously, right? Rule 62, don't take yourself too darn seriously. But taking the message seriously, this is what I do. You know, today's message, before I get into it, by the way, subscribe. Do me a favor. You help out so much. Go to recoveryguy.org. Go to recovery underscore guy on Instagram. The recovery guy on Facebook. Download the podcast, download the uh, the blogs, subscribe to my content, DM me, support this ministry in ways that I'll explain later, but subscribing helps so much. I cannot tell you what that does for our Google searches. When you hit the podcast or the major podcast channels or through our website, it helps incredibly well. Having said that, let's jump into the deep end of the pool. Today's topic is called Go. Grow instead of go. Grow instead of go. Because those are our options, right? Uh, gravity, you've heard of gravity before, right? Gravity says that for me to go uphill or move forward, I must exert energy, right? And energy can be defined as growing because life and recovery is uphill. Would you agree with me there? Every now and then we get a plateau, we get to rest on our laurels for just a minute and sort of skate along. We get to sort of pedal. We get to throw the car in neutral. But for the most part, we need to be in drive, right? Because if not, eventually the car will slow down. And if it gets on a downward embankment, I go backward, right? And I go. And so to combat that, I make sure I grow instead of go. Because I can't stay in one place too long, and neither can you, without going backwards. For me, to not be moving forward is essentially moving backward. So instead of getting to that point, I like to stay into a perpetual motion to stay in recovery. In order to stay recovered, I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, right? And, and then it says in the big book to show you how we, you know, precisely why we wrote this book is to show you how we have recovered, how we stay recovered. And that's what it's all about. But we stay recovered. We stay in our sobriety 
by doing the things that got us there in the first place. And this is no different. One of the most exciting things that I found about my recovery, as I've said before, and you've said it before, and we all agree, that recovery is a journey, not a destination. I always thought I had to be perfect in the moment rather than allow the moment to further perfect me. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you ever remember feeling like you just didn't measure up? Regardless of what anyone wanted, and it was usually reasonable for the most part, I thought I had to be more than that. I thought I had to be perfect in the moment. One of the things that I've learned in recovery is that the moment does further perfect me as I grow in my experiential understanding. I say further perfect me because I will never be perfect. And if you know me for a minute, you know that's true. But I wanted to further perfect me in spite of never achieving perfection. And I'm perfectly fine with that. And I hope you are too. I used to think that for me to measure up, I would need to be more than I was capable of being. I put so much pressure on myself. My expectations of me was so unreasonable that if you had that expectation of me, I would tell you to adjust your expectation. And yet, it seemed to be perfectly reasonable for me to beat myself up over it. Regardless of the situation, and maybe you can relate to this, I struggled just to be adequate. I really did. I, I never saw myself as one measuring up. I was always in the negative. I was always operating from a deficiency. Remember, so many of us, and you've shared with me how you've related to this in your DMs and your messages to me in emails and, and to my cell phone. And, and, and we agree that so many of us felt like we came from nothing and therefore we were nothing. And our prognosis was that we would always be a nothing. And regardless of the situation, I struggled to be adequate. I remember going to my brother George's house. This was back in the 70s and for holidays and Thanksgiving on this particular occasion. And this was pretty common for me, but I remember this instant. And I was with Sue and the kids. And I remember they would have a drink or two there, but I would have to be high. So I would probably smoke a couple joints and certainly have something to drink before I even got there. Because I did not want my perceived inadequacy to show. And I, and I figured if it was going to show and, and that brought on pain, 
I would I would need to be somewhat anesthetized just to go through it sideways, just to be able to be there because I felt a deep sense of inadequacy. Now, you were only asking me to be who I was. No one in my family was unreasonable. They weren't asking me to be Superman or somebody beyond my capability of, of, of knowledge or, or wisdom or, or personal ability. They were only asking me to be me. But since I came from nothing, I was a nothing, and I was always going to be a nothing, my sense was of inadequacy, not of being adequate. And since I didn't like who I was, I tried to be more of someone else. I was striving for perfection when all you wanted was progress. That's all you ever asked for. Very rarely was anyone in my life unreasonable. Very rarely. Now, my dad being alcoholic, all bets were off when he drank, and my mom, but we were pretty dysfunctional. You know, things weren't balanced. But that was about addiction. But for the most part, most anyone who asked anything of me were being very reasonable. I was striving for perfection when all you wanted was progress. I was beating myself up over something I could never attain. In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it states on, on page 60, it says, we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. And it's in the chapter of um, how it works. And I'll actually read the entire paragraph to you. And this comes after the 12 steps are, are written. And it says, many of us exclaimed, one in order. I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. And since I believe that the spiritual property is the most important of recovery because without a spiritual approach, the, the mental, the emotional, and the physical will get tired out. They will lack power. So I get that power from my spiritual relationship with the power that is greater than me. But it's so perfectly states there that we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. In other words, it's the journey. It's not the destination. This is one of the reasons that I will often tell you that I, I just want to be the best possible version of me so I can best serve others. Now, 
Let's not allow that to be an excuse for not striving for perfection. Even though it's not realistic to reach perfection, it shouldn't be my reason for not striving toward that ideal. Perfection is an ideal. Who really knows what perfect is? Right? God. And he ain't telling. Because he knows that I would strive for that. That I would try to be something that I'm not capable of being in this life. Perfection means without mistake, without error, without blemish. I'm not capable of achieving that, certainly in this life, as is human being. But I can strive toward it. Can you, can you make the separation? Why not strive for perfection, yet be willing to claim progress? Even though it's not realistic of reaching perfection or that ideal, I have previously shared with you in blogs and podcasts that I most likely will never hit 100%. Again, that would be perfection. So most of us operate on less than 100%. And again, it shouldn't be my reason. Not being able to hit that should not be my reason for not striving toward it. I really believe, once again, that the higher I realistically raise the bar, the more I will accomplish. And going back to my friend Zig Ziglar, if you do his, his exercise on goals or any exercise on goals, first thing they'll tell you that a goal needs to be written. You know, they'll also tell you that it needs to be measurable and that it needs to be realistic. And then it needs to be, you know, measured out over time because I'm not going to achieve it overnight. It wouldn't be a very lofty goal if I could achieve it overnight. It might be a stepping stone on the way to that goal, but certainly not that goal. So I need to set that goal high enough that will cause me to work even harder. But the likelihood is I'm not going to achieve 100% of my goals, certainly 100% of the time. Since I know that, and most of us operate on less than 100%, <laughs> you know, you tell me, you show me a person who, who believes they, they operate at 100% efficiency 100% of the time, and, uh, and I'll show you a person who will likely lie about other things, right? I don't set out the morning not achieving everything or doing it to the best of my ability or, or even exceeding that. So setting the bar higher, realistically higher and measurably higher will allow me to achieve more. 
If I set my bar too low and I'm not operating at 100%, 100% of the time, won't my accomplishment be even lower? Of course it would. On the contrary, if I raise my personal expectation higher, I will accomplish or become more than I would have if I had set the bar lower. I'm sure that makes sense to you. The higher the bar, operating at, let's say, 80%. So if I set the bar at a certain height and I know I'm operating at 80%, I will achieve a certain amount. If I set my bar lower and still hit 80%, won't I achieve less? Yes, I will. So setting the bar higher allows me to achieve more. My point is, even though I claim progress, not perfection, it does not mean that I don't strive for perfection. It merely means in my pursuit for perfection, I am only able to claim progress. As a Christian, and you look at any monotheistic religion, our example is God, our higher power. And our goal is to emulate him in our pursuit or if your preference is her, or it. What matters is that you pursue a higher power. And don't you want to emulate? Why would you have a higher power? Why would you serve or believe in a God that doesn't want you to become the best version of you? You know, we were created, again, for the monotheistic religion of the world. Christianity and other forms. You know, we were made in the image and the likeness of God. And so we pursue to reflect that image in which we were created. That would be consistent. And that's where my, my view of me of being inadequate has to change. I am who I am. As I said in my podcast last week, you know, um, why, why do when you can be? I am who I am. I'm the best possible version of me that you're going to see today. And I strive for perfection. I strive to be the best Robert Pardon I can be. At the end of my day, I claim what I'm able to claim, which is that progress that I grew, that I came to a greater understanding, that I found a little bit more peace, that I found a little bit more contentment, that I was able to help another person in a more elevated way today, but it's still the same thing. Don't you want me to strive for perfection? I hope you do. I want you to strive for perfection. I want you to reach as far as you can reach. You know, there's a great book, and 
I was sharing with a friend, and I share this book as often as possible. I just sent it to my daughter, Carol. And Richard Bach wrote this incredible book, and you need to read it. Well, I want you to read it. I don't know what you need to do. <laughs> I hope you want to read it because it's all about that. It's called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. And Jonathan, it's the story of a seagull who was told that he was only able to fly so high. And at first he settled for this progress, as it were, this limitation. And only striving for progress is a limitation. But Jonathan one day said, you know what? I believe that I can reach higher goals. I believe that I can fly as high as I want to fly. Or perfection. And that's what it is. The striving for the most lofty goal. The striving for the highest heights that we... Why would you settle for mediocrity? Why would you strive for mediocrity? Let me put it that way. I mean, we, we, we settle on what we have because we don't want to feel inadequate anymore. But why would you start out striving for mediocrity? Knowing that we're not going to achieve as much as we strive for, that means I'm less than average. I, I felt that was less than, average, less than average for far too long. Not in recovery. No, no. Not when I'm given the keys to the kingdom. Not when I'm introduced to a power greater than me that allows me to exceed all expectations in this life. So I strive. I become Jonathan, the seagull, who, who just sees how high he can soar and all the aerodynamic rules he can break and bend. And then to dive and learn how to place his wings in a particular way and to soar and to explore space and air and sky to the degree that he never thought imaginable, but he knew he needed to give himself permission to go do it. You know what? And then, I don't want to be a spoiler alert, go read the book. He went back to this family of goals that he came from and he said, no, no, no. Jonathan, something's wrong. You're not supposed to be able to do that. If you're hanging around people that will tell you that since you can only claim progress, only strive for progress, elevate your surroundings, elevate your friends. I want to be around people who strive for perfection, who strive to be in the image and the likeness of their creator, right? Which is perfection. That's who I want to hang out with. I want people who will challenge me and encourage me to be that person who can claim progress because that is the person who is adequate, but who is striving for perfection. Again, we claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection so we can grow instead of go. But that surely does not mean that I don't strive for that perfection. But at the end of the day, I am happy to claim progress. 
Thank you so much for listening today. Go to recoveryguy.org. Go to your major podcast channel for all the podcasts. Go to my website for podcasts and blogs. Again, recoveryguy.org. Go to recovery underscore guy on Instagram. Find me there. DM me. Let me know what I can do to encourage you. If you're looking for a life or a sober coach, let me know. Let's have that conversation. Go to the recovery guy on on, uh, Facebook. I want you to subscribe. Please subscribe. Please let us know what we can do to help make your recovery journey all that much more fulfilling, more complete. Go to patreon.com forward slash recovery guy to give monthly. Go to Venmo at Robert hyphen pardon hyphen three to give a one-time donation. Let's help as many people as we possibly can become well one day at a time. And as always, my name is Robert and I am the recovery guy.